when we say that we teach kids practical education um, and entrepreneurship and things like that, to be honest, entrepreneurship is just a medium that we use to flex these human skills. If tomorrow we find a better medium than entrepreneurship, we will toss that out the window because we believe that this generation of kids need to have more fully developed essential soft skills than any other generation before. And you can't go on LinkedIn, you can't look on uh, or in any business magazines without there being at least one article or research that's showing that employers, um, educators, researchers are finding that essential soft skills are more important, more significant than academic or technical skills. Hey, it's Chuck here, and I'm so glad that you're listening to this episode. And I just want to take this quick moment right now to let you know about our free collaborators toolkit. And this episode is all about partnership and collaboration. And our guests share many resources, tools, and things that you can use to make collaboration and partnership easier in your business. So if you're looking for better ways to grow and scale your business through collaborations and strategic partnerships, this free Collaborators Toolkit is going to contain the best resources from our workshops as well as contributions from our guests. And these tools could be the missing link that you've been looking for. And they're going to help you to solve everyday business challenges and access highly effective ideas that can help and grow your business exponentially. I know they've helped me and I know they're going to help you as well. And the best part about these tools is that they're completely free. And our gift to you for being a valued member of our community and a subscriber to the show. So you can get access to all of the resources contained inside the Collaborators Toolkit today by visiting the website at www.collaboratorsunite.com slash toolkit. That address again is www.collaboratorsunite.com slash toolkit. Go ahead and register today, get access to all the resources, and I'm going to see you on the inside. Now, here's the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Chuck Anderson here, and uh, as usual, I have an amazing guest. But you know, so you know, such cool energy, and you know, there's a lot to be gained from this, especially as an entrepreneur who is trying to make a big impact in the world with your big idea. But even more than that, is leaving a legacy. And you know, leaving a legacy is such a big part of entrepreneurship. We're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, if you are an entrepreneur with kids, you're really going to love this. Or if you're an entrepreneur that supports the next generation of entrepreneurs and feels passionate about that being the future of this world, then you definitely want to lean in because I have an amazing guest with me today. Uh, I'm so honored to have Leah Koss with me. Leah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me back. Or not back. Oops, sorry. Well, <laughs> and, and you, well, you and I have done other things before. I mean, we've had you on on our parenting show, which is our our sister show and our inaugural show. Um, but yeah, it's it's all good, and and definitely we we didn't just meet today, Leah. How about that? So uh, all good. Well, you know, and and look, I I know that you know this topic of of growing our next crop of entrepreneurs and leaving a legacy. This is the thing that's near and dear to your heart. And it's what you 
you do in your mission. Uh, and I'm not even going to try to, you know, butcher your introduction. I'm going to get you to introduce yourself to our audience. So, so let's, I think, start as a, as a launching pad here. Uh, let everyone know who you are, what you do, and, and we'll take it from there. Thank you so much. So my name is Leah Koss, and I've founded and co-founded a couple of organizations that just happen very serendipitously, um, and they're all around youth and education. Now, if you had asked me in my 20s or even my 30s, for the most part, if I was going to do anything with youth and education, it would have been a hard, fast no, because I was the serial entrepreneur. I also have a background of about 15 years in franchising. So it's been all about helping other people start their own businesses, grow their businesses, and things like that. Uh, the two organizations that I've started is one is a registered charity called Build a Biz Kids. It focuses on developing practical education for kids, really young though. Like when I say kids, I mean actual kids, not teenagers. We're looking at around like the six to 13, 14 year old mark. So we definitely hit them up really young before they're too jaded by the world. They're worrying about what other people think. And we have them explore real world topics. Um, so we're having them launch their own business, create e-commerce stores, learn how to deliver uh, TED, TED Talk-like speeches and things of that nature. Um, so it's all around practical education. Simultaneously, it also is trying to gently challenge, but also support educators who are in the traditional education system. Most recently, though, I am very excited. We're launching something called the Fuel Academy. It's a sister organization. For so long, um, we've really kind of had this inside joke with the education system, how, oh, isn't it so funny? You know, my kid just came home and they're using the same textbook or they're learning the same things that I learned when I was young. And isn't it so funny? Because I've never actually used that in real life. And we kind of joke about it, but we kind of go, what is our options that are out there? Fuel Academy is finally that option that parents have that is not following the traditional education system. It's an educational resource. Uh, it fits very well with parents who are already homeschooling. But more importantly, the entrepreneurs like yourselves who are listening or the single parents out there who don't have homeschooling as an option and they want to have a little bit more control on what their child is learning. Um, so the Fuel Academy is launching this year. I'm very, very excited about it. Wow. I love all of that. And I want to dive deep into, you know, really, um, you know, what we can do as entrepreneurs and also entrepreneurial parents. And, uh, and so we definitely want to explore all of that. But, you know, Leah, I have to ask, like, I know with your background with, you know, franchising and business and entrepreneurship, you know, how did you find yourself uh, in this? Like, what's your founder story or your origin story for, for launching these two great projects? It was all by accident. I mean, this was not supposed to happen. At the time, I was going to become known as the franchise guru out there. And I decided I want to, you know, interview 50 CEOs of franchises. One of the people that I sat down with, uh, I had worked with her like 10 years prior at 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Um, she worked in operations. She went on to become a CEO of franchising. And so we sat down to chat and she had told me how she had created this programming for kids, really young kids, to learn entrepreneurship. When I got back and spoke with my partner and he has a son, we were just like, wow, yeah, like he's eight years old right now. And he didn't have the opportunity to learn this yet. And we weren't sure if he was going to be able to. And he sounded really interested in it. And so together we thought, okay, maybe let's just do this as like a hobby. You know, like we'll just put on some programs and let's teach kids how to do this. It was so much fun. 
all of a sudden my kind of franchise hat kicked into gear, not to say that we were going to franchise it. We ended up launching it as a charity because we wanted to make sure it was accessible to as many children as possible, especially children in vulnerable communities. And I kind of just took it and ran with it and I haven't looked back. Um, so I have, for all intents purposes, um, stopped franchise consulting. And now it's just all about youth education. And what I didn't realize is there was something really deep seated within me that kind of really resented my educational experience. Because when I grew up, um, you know, I was told I was a smart kid. I was a smart enough kid anyway. And I was always told um, what I now have come to realize are praise, but praise that's actually masked as fixed mindset concepts. Mm. Very smart. You're such a natural. Look how good you are when you, you know, do public speaking or you're so outgoing and things like that. And um, then I went to business school and I ended up working in franchising. And here I am selling. I'm the person who's actually selling these 1-800-GOT-JUNK franchises. And franchising attracts people who are not necessarily natural entrepreneurs. That's why they're looking at franchising. And so when I looked at my resume and I said, well, I'm told I'm a natural at these things. And then I've gone to business school. So right there, I've got a piece of paper that says I know business, right? Whether I actually learn business or, or not is another thing. Um, I mean, when I went to college, they were still teaching coupon clipping and social media was nowhere in my curriculum, even though Facebook was around. So um, I'm like, I've got that checked off. And then here I am selling businesses, which debatably, these people are launching their own businesses, becoming very successful, and they have no business background. I should be an entrepreneur. And so I went and I started my first business and I held on to it. I had it for about four years, just over, ended up selling it, but at a massive loss, like it killed me. But I had such imposter syndrome because I was like, no, 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 I can't let anyone know that I'm not a natural. I can't let anyone know that I'm bleeding to death emotionally and financially. And I just really resented and blamed myself because I was like, I let myself down. Everyone else told me I had what it took. The paperwork that I had told me I had what it took and I didn't. Now in hindsight, because everything is hindsight and we often have our biggest epiphanies in our mid to late thirties and forties where we go, oh, it had nothing to do with the book smart. It didn't have anything to do with knowing how to create a sales pitch. It had nothing to do with knowing how to use QuickBooks software or, you know, whatever these technical skills are. It was all about the human skills. And those human skills had never been flexed, not in the way that they should have been. And any that were flexed, um, I was provided growth uh, or rather fixed mindset perspectives on it, meaning, oh, no, 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 you're a natural at this. You were born this way. So you're good. But the rest of the stuff, unfortunately, you weren't born that way. So therefore, it's going to be a bit of a struggle. And there were also things that I didn't even know were relevant, right? Like decision making, uh, resiliency, um, I'm good at verbal communication, but not necessarily written communication. Um, a lot of the literacies that were out there, like there's just, there's over 70 essential soft skills. I like to call them human skills. And they were just lacking in so many ways because nobody had ever told me they were important. So when we say that we teach kids practical education um, and entrepreneurship and things like that, to be honest, entrepreneurship is just a medium that we use to flex these human skills. If tomorrow we find a better medium than entrepreneurship, we will toss that out the window because we believe that this generation of kids need to have more fully developed essential soft skills than any other generation before. 
And you can't go on LinkedIn, you can't look on uh, or in any business magazines without there being at least one article or research that's showing that employers, um, educators, researchers are finding that essential soft skills are more important, more significant than academic or technical skills. Well, tactics always change and it's ever evolving and it's and just increasing and accelerating in the rate that it does change. I mean, you think about the internet now, you know, 25 years ago, it's not the same internet today and Web3 is coming, it's gonna change it all again. So it can't be about the tactics, it's gotta be about the approach. And you know, everything you said, I can't help but wonder what it would have been like if there was a program like this when I was a kid, because you know, what you're saying is like, I used to get the same feedback from my teachers. Like Chuck is so smart. He is bright. He understands things uh, at a deep level when he chooses to apply himself. But he's a dreamer and he's often distracted with with other things. And his ideas are sometimes a bit out there. (laughs) And I grew up believing that was a bad thing. Right. And that I was and I was always trying to fix this thing that was wrong. And that's that fixed mindset thing that you're talking about. And I had this growth mindset that was trying to bloom and that was trying to come out um, or or just even happening naturally. But they were trying to turn this into this. You, know, you got to kind of fit this this mold. I never really felt like I fit in at school. I never really fit in with that. Um, I always had ideas that kind of so-called weirded people out because, right, like they were so different than the thinking it took me until I was in my mid-20s to realize, you know what? This isn't a curse. This is a gift. And no one nurtured that. I mean, I really had to kind of take that on myself. I had a huge personal growth journey uh, ahead of me in that. But if that was nurtured at eight years old or 10 years old or whatever, I just imagine. And I just think about what that means to kids who are experiencing that very same thing. It's interesting because there's actually a survey that goes out like every year they uh, quiz high schoolers to say, hey, how prepared do you feel for the real world? And that number has steadily declined every single year. And it's interesting because I work with a lot of youth, meaning, you know, kind of the 19 to 30 years. We hire a lot of them because we want to help them get as much hands on experience as well. And when they apply to us, they always say your message resonates. And it's funny because at your age and my age, we say, I wish we had this when I was a kid. Isn't it scary that a 20-year-old tells me, I wish I had this when I was in school? Why is that still something that isn't happening? Now, I have to say, I I use the language that I delicately am trying to challenge the education system while simultaneously supporting them. But, you know, they have made a lot of progress in recognizing things that need to change. But in my opinion... um, you know, and we can't fault the teachers at all because they're doing what they're needing to do and, and they're being graded to a degree as well. And I believe no teacher gets into teaching for the wrong reasons, right? It's a thankless job. It is certainly not sexy. They're not in it for the money, right? So they're in it for all the right reasons, but they have limitations on what they can do because of the curriculum and the formality of how the classroom operates. The moment that you say, All students in this room, this four wall box, must do the same thing. And in order to feel valuable, in order to be smart, they must do it the exact same way as the teacher with their limited perspective at the front of the room. 
you know, the word teacher right there is already an error in the education system because it's implying that I know things and I'm going to teach you. But how is it possible to put that much weight on a teacher to know everything in the world, right? It's impossible. And so they should not be teachers. They should be facilitators there to help kids discover how to find opinions, information, and then drive their own answers. The two founding principles that I operate with both organizations is there is no one right answer to literally anything in the world. The only exception might be, if you really wanted to get into it, one plus one equals two. But other than that, science, history, social studies, um, business, economics, there's no one right answer in the world. So the moment that the classroom operates with the understanding that we all have to come up with the same answer, you've now created a competitive environment. I am now measuring myself to others, and we're only measuring in these five, six, seven subjects. And so therefore, if I don't qualify in the higher um, rankings of these five, six, seven subjects, I am not of value. I am deemed a pain in the butt in class. I am someone who is defiant. I am someone who is not intelligent. And that obviously has a massive flaw. The second thing, just to follow up on what we also um, have as a founding principle is you're never done, which is the other thing. We're telling kids that you're done when you get your graduation certificate. We're telling kids that you're done when you submit your final report, when you complete your final project. Um, we have kids who are stressing with you know, anxiety in school for all the reasons um, that I've kind of mentioned, you know, they're comparing themselves constantly, but also the perfectionism and feeling like there's a goalpost that they're trying to reach and it's an unreachable goalpost. <laughs> so talk about evoking anxiety in someone so young who also is not equipped with all those other human skills that are needed for coping, you know, emotional intelligence and um, that, you know, big perspective word that I keep talking about. So um, I think until the education is willing to look at the actual functioning of the classroom. It doesn't matter how many four-hour modules they want to shove into kids' faces to say, oh, entrepreneurship, you want them to learn that? No problem. Grade 11, grade 12, they'll get a four-hour module learning entrepreneurship. Whew, aren't you glad we can check that off the list? That's not the solution. The solution is how the school and the classroom operates. And until that's ready to change, I think we're going to continually be up against a generation after generation with higher and higher anxiety levels, less and less feelings of fulfillment, um, and having to wait until their 30s or 40s to have the realization of, oh, this is where things went wrong. Oh, you mean I can do what I love? Oh, you mean those things I was told were negative were actually positive? And that's just not fair to have to wait that long to get your life started. Absolutely. And I, there's so much great about what you just said, but was something that really stands out to me is something that uh, a mentor of mine uh, said to me about 20 years ago, but it still stands with me today is the difference between teaching and educating. And teaching is kind of like, I'm going to take this information and I'm going to shove it into your brain, right? And whereas educating is you already have gifts, you already have thoughts and ideas, I'm going to help to draw those out and nurture them and have those blossom into other ideas. And that idea really stuck with me because so much of my experience as a kid was, was that teaching, like I'm gonna drive all this information into you, you must remember all these things and memorize these all these things. And I just didn't work that way because I just had ideas. And then I had ideas of, well, well wouldn't it be easier if I did it this way or, or, you know, but that's not the right way to do it. 
but show you know, me your work. Some... I need to see the long form of your work, Chuck. I need right? to know. <laughs> How did you come up with your answer? I'm like, I don't know. It's like but, it came you know, to me so in the much... shower, <laughs> right? And I think if we were in a room full of entrepreneurs right now, they would all be nodding their heads because entrepreneurship is so much about here's how the world does it. I don't want to do it that way. I see a way of doing it easier, faster, better than the world has been doing it. I think we're 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 the type of people who see the world in a different way. And that way doesn't always compute with the fixed mindset people, right? And, and, so. and let me um, share a vision for you. So, you know, we talk a lot about entrepreneurship and it's almost become the pendulum going the other way where it's, it's only sexy if you're an entrepreneur. Anyone else is a sheep, right? And if we really look at our businesses, we know we need not everyone in the world to be an entrepreneur. We also know that not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur, right? And that's okay. So instead, if we, you know, Again, entrepreneurship is a great medium, but at the Fuel Academy, it's not all about business. It's about future-ready skills. It's about, uh, do you want to work around conserving the oceans and helping with pollution, become a scientist in that capacity, right? They don't have to be entrepreneurs. But having so many of the skills that are flexed within an entrepreneur, that can just be flexed in everyone else as well. Imagine your businesses as an entrepreneur. When you sit down to interview people, instead of going, man, just can't find anyone who's going to be a good fit. Instead going, oh my gosh, how do I choose between these incredible people? Because they're not coming to fill a role for me. They're coming to teach me what the role should be. They're coming, sitting in the interview going, I got to say, I looked at your website and it is amazing. I would love to come into this role because I really feel like I could bring some new ideas to you. Not, yes, I know how to use that software. Oh, yes, I, I have experience doing that with my past employer. Yes, I can duplicate the things that I've done before in the past for you so that you feel you know, secure that at least if you hire someone, I can check some boxes. It's like we want everyone, not just entrepreneurs, to have that kind of fire and passion about contributing to the world. We want the people who don't necessarily want to have the stress of their own business, but want to be a part of a company where they feel liberated like hopefully they did in their educational path, they can feel that same liberation and flexibility and ability to trial and error and bring their creativity to the table within organizations. Well, I think the world needs so much about that. And it even makes me think about how we need to reform resume writing because that what you just described is the opposite of the resumes that I receive when I'm hiring someone in my business, right? It's like, I, actually I know this thing, I know this thing, I know this thing, <laughs> yeah. I'm skilled at this. But I want to know about you. Like, who are you? What's your vision? What are your goals? Who are you becoming or who are you currently? Where, who do you want to be in the future? I want to know that stuff, right? Yeah. And I want to nurture that in my team and uh, our business. We, we really try to be that environment that nurtures that kind of growth. And so, so many, you know, the, the way things are traditionally done doesn't really do that. It's funny that you mentioned that. So the hiring process is one of my biggest passions. And I mentioned how I hire a lot of youth. Um, so how we do it, I've actually created an entire keynote specifically for organizations who feel like they're struggling with their hiring practices. And it's interesting because I actually have optional on all of our job postings to never submit a resume. If you want to, great. But instead, I'd rather you just tell me why you want to work here, why you want the role. And then from and then depending on the, the role, so for example, I just had to hire video editors. 
I literally, once I qualified them with just like logistics of the role, um, I said, perfect, let's get you scheduled for an interview. But before you arrive, here's a small project. Every single person who's hired has already done the job. So they get sent a clip and I say, please edit this. Here's your target audience. Um, and here's, you know, I want it to be anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes. Show me what you got. Hiring a graphic designer, here's some stuff. Can you make a social media post for me? Um, even hiring facilitators, when those ones are in person, which the other thing I should mention is I never, never, I don't care what role it is, never will have a one-on-one -on -one interview. Every single interview is a group interview. Even if it was for a coup position, it would be a group interview. And so they're having to then perform in front of each other. And why I like that is we all know that you can kind of put on a good performance one-on-one. -on -one. We've also had those great moments where we go, oh, I can't choose between these two people. Well, I promise you, you will know which person you want if you had them side by side, right? But so much of what we're looking for is a cultural fit these days. And what better way to see a cultural fit than to see them in a group environment? So have, don't be shy to have people actually demonstrate their skills before you even let them in the room. Let that guide their way. The only questions that I ask is always the three questions. What are you up to right now? Why do you want to work here? And what are your future goals? Um, because I want to make sure that all of that is in alignment. And other than that, I, that's, you know, you can learn a software, right? I just don't care uh, if you don't know that. Uh, of course, there are some varying degrees where you should have context or used similar softwares or had something like that. But technology changes every three to five years anyway. So if I really want you to be with me long term, I need to know you have the ability to learn and that you love the role enough that you'd be willing to learn the new advancements and changes that ultimately occur. I love what you just said, because it really ties in nicely with the theme of our show, which is collaborations and partnerships. And what you just described there is a very collaborative process in towards hiring. And it's very similar to the way I hire. I always give, say I give people homework, right? And so, so if they apply, it's like, okay, here's this thing, uh, send me this thing back, right? The ones that don't do it very instantly weed themselves up, right? Because they're out of the process. And then the other ones, you, you get to see how they show up. And isn't it amazing how much, uh, how people will show up in an amazing way? And, you know, when, you know, look, when things are going well in the business, things are easy. But when there's problems, I want to know, will my team members rise to the occasion? Will they find solutions? And and this collaborative process to hiring, especially young people, uh, is amazing because you really get to see who they are. And I love the fact that you boiled that down to just three questions, because really, when I think about it, those are really the questions that mean anything. You ask the standard questions in an interview, people are always trying to put on their, you know, their best face or they, you know, they'll tell you the the canned answers, but what's your strength? Really tell you anything. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, if you're a younger company, a startup, for example, you know that you need everyone to wear like three hats, right? To really be able to afford somebody. I mean, imagine if you could hire one person to do two or three um, roles where, you know, two or three hats, be able to pay them well because of that, because now you're not paying three separate individual people or three part-time people. Now you've got someone who's really, they love it, they get it. And more importantly, they get it so much because their perspective is so wide in your company. All of a sudden that as you continue to grow, they can wear new hats.
and they can continue to feel really fulfilled as a human because they're contributing every day. They're not just showing up with the, the checklist. And I think a shift in how we ask is not, can you do the job, but do you understand the job? Do you understand the objectives of the job? Because again, I just really need to stress, you will never win if you want people to do things the way that you do them. You will never win if you want them to come in and do a checklist of, I just need to know that you can do these tasks. You want someone who understands the objectives because that way they're going to come to you and say, I have a better way of doing the job. I have a cheaper way of doing the job. I have a faster way of doing the job. I think this job, this part of the job just doesn't make any sense. And here's what we should replace it with. So do they understand the objectives, not can they do the job? I think monkeys can do a lot of the jobs these days because of what technology allows us to do. Yeah, all of this, I mean, that's amazing. And, I, and you're so right. Uh, you're so right. I mean, we need to nurture humans and not just kind of hire, you know, monkeys right, who can <laughs> do the task. So, um, you know, amazing stuff. Now, listen, uh, we're going to make sure that, you know, for all of our entrepreneurs that are listening in right now, especially if you have kids or if you are uh, someone who contributes in support of organizations and leaving a legacy for kids and breeding our next batch of entrepreneurs. We're going to make sure we have your contact information and the links to all your programs. I'll have you share that here in a moment. Um, one of the ways we like to end our episodes is a little bit of self-growth recommendations and stuff like that. So, um, you know, because, and everything we've been talking about today is about self-growth and nurturing growth. And the, like you say, soft skills, all of that. Um, and I know in my journey, I've been blessed with a lot of really great teachers, a lot of really great mentors. Um, can you think of a, a, a leader or a mentor or an authority or someone that you've learned a lot from that, that maybe other, we can share with others that maybe they could learn a lot from as well? Yeah, I mean, along my path, I've had a lot of mentors who I knew personally that were um, incredible, uh, not people you can necessarily Google, they're kind of private, but in terms of if you're looking for people that have really shaped lives or like um, books that have been read or conferences that I've been to, um, I mean, this, gosh, there's so many, I mean, the, we've talked a bit about growth mindset, so I will say that Carol Dweck, I call her the mm. godmother of mindset. She is the one who kind of created the concept in general, but then also made it very digestible. And so her book, Mindset, whether it's not written for parents, it's not written for teachers, it's not written for entrepreneurs, it's written for literally everybody. And I always suggest people to read the book, but then get the audiobook as well. Because when you read the book, you learn about growth mindset and a lot about yourself and how you interact with the world and the commentary that happens in both of those scenarios. And so when you read the book, you're hearing your voice tell you these things. But then when you hear the audiobook, you're hearing someone else's voice talk to you. And it's that other voice concept. We didn't really talk about it too much on here, but you know, sometimes you tell your children all these amazing things and they don't really listen to you. And then one day they come running home and they're like, mommy, daddy, guess what my coach or my teacher just told me. And they tell you this amazing epiphany. And you're like, dude, I've been telling you that for years. Right. But they needed to be in a different headspace. They needed to hear it from that other voice. And so when you read mindset, it's your voice telling you, but when you hear it as an audiobook, it's somebody else telling it to you. And it was a really interesting, um, feeling having those two perspectives. Well, it's so true what you say about kids. And I know my kids would rather learn from a stranger than they would want to learn from me. Uh, and so hundred percent, I love what you said though, about the difference between reading the book and listening to the book. Cause I, I have 
I say that I've read the book, but it was on Audible. So I listened to the audiobook. Mindset is amazing. Like I love it. And, and it's one that I know that I will be rereading or re-listening to uh, a number of times because it's so important. But I love what you said about actually reading the book as well, because when you're reading the book, you're really hearing it in your own voice. So I've already learned it from Carol's voice, but I'm interested to go back and read the book and hear it from my own voice and just have both of those perspectives. So I think that's very powerful. And never be uh, worried about wrecking the book either. I got to say, every time I actually read a book, I've highlighted, underlined notes in the margins and sticky notes all over the place. If it's really that, you know, impactful of a book and that is no exception. Mindset is amazing. Leah, thank you so much. This has been amazing. And, uh, you know, I know that this is going to be inspirational for our audience. Uh, Let's go ahead and tell everyone, like, if they want to get more information about your programs, uh, where do they find you? Absolutely. I mean, please feel welcome to find me on LinkedIn, Leah Koss. Um, always happy to connect there. But uh, the registered charity is Build a Biz Kids. Uh, that does more courses for kids where there's a start and a finish. Uh, and then the Fuel Academy. It's starting as a pilot program right now, fuelacademy.com. And it's starting in the Tri-Cities in British Columbia here. Very excited to see how that grows. And that's more of a all-year-round experience for kids and you can choose to have them come one day a week two days a week five days a week Uh, so it's really something that's meant to fit into anyone's educational path for their child leah thank you and i highly recommend our audience go check these programs out they're amazing leah does amazing 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 work and thank you leah for the work that you do because quite frankly i do believe that it makes the world a better place and we have to be nurturing to our future group of growth-oriented, entrepreneurial-thinking kids, because that's really our future, and the world really, really needs it. So again, thank you for being my special guest. Leah, if you were to leave our audience with just one final tip or word of wisdom or piece of advice, what would you tell them? I always laugh at this question because I always say I have two, and I've kind of mentioned it. One, just remember, there's no one right answer to anything, so take that stress off your back. And two, you're never done. So enjoy the journey because if you don't, your only destination is death. So you may as well enjoy the path. (laughs) Amazing. Leah, thank you so much. And to our valued listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode. Please do go uh, click on the links there right beneath this video or in the show notes for the podcast. Connect with Leah. And uh, if you have kids, do check out the programs. Uh, Or if you're an entrepreneur who likes to support organizations that support our youth and our children, uh, Leah does have the registered charity as well. Consider donating uh, to that as well. And uh, and of course, as always, do tune in to the next episode. We always have amazing guests here that uh, are connected to the world of entrepreneurship and partnership and collaboration. And uh, So again, amazing. So keep moving forward and keep working on that big vision, that big dream, that big thing that you have that's world changing because we all desperately need it. Thank you. And we'll see you on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Collaborators Toolkit. If you're looking for better ways to grow and scale your business through collaborations and strategic partnerships, our free Collaborators Toolkit contains the best resources from our workshops, as well as contributions from our guests. These tools could be the missing link that you've been looking for to solve everyday business challenges and to access highly effective ideas 
that can grow your business exponentially. The best part is that these resources, tools, and templates are completely free and our gift to you for being a valued member of our community and a subscriber to our show. You can get free instant access to the Collaborators Toolkit today by visiting our website at www.collaboratorsunite.com forward slash toolkit. That address again is www.collaboratorsunite.com slash toolkit. Register today and I'll see you on the inside.